0: There's an old man living in the back of your woods tonight You forgot he was even there But you've never slipped his mind He's living off the scraps of you You never knew you left behind And as the sun goes down He rises with a smile He's waiting on the night to fall The old man's coming to call, but you don't see the writing on the wall. He'll never step out in the light. no, he's just biding time. And while you slumber, he's gonna come and take it all. He's waiting on the night to fall. On
1: the night to fall. Hey, what's up? It's Ryan Middleton here. Welcome back he to his word. Today not is February the 17th, 2016. Got a question for you. Have you ever had the desire to just get away? You know, the desire to just flee. Perhaps there's something that's bothering you, and you can't seem to overcome this thing, and it's causing an emotion inside of you that makes you just want to run as fast as you can. You don't care really where you go. It can be another state, it can be another country, it can be anywhere you just got to get away because this problem has caused so much fury on the inside of you you know for some it is a person when they see these people it's like i've done everything that i can do to get them to leave me alone yet they won't stop talking to me when they talk to me man it just sends me into a fury into an outrage and it's gotten to the point now where it's not so much just getting away from them it's that i need to go i need to go be by myself so that i can try to calm down I need some peace here, and I'm not going to find it in this situation that I'm in. There are those who it's not so much a person as it is a job. This job is just overwhelming. It's driving me crazy. It's making me lose my mind. If I don't find a new job, then I'm going to go crazy. They're asking entirely too much of me. And I don't even want them to change my position anymore. I just want to be able to get away. I want to get in my car, fill it up with gas, and drive until I run out of gas. That's all I want. You know, it doesn't have to be people or jobs. There can also be things that send us over the edge. When we see certain items, they remind us of a particular incident in our past, and it just makes us want to go crazy. It makes us lose our mind. And we think, I've seen this thing day after day after day, and now it's not so much that I need to stop seeing it, but I just need to go. I need to get out of here. I need to leave. Because if I don't, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I've got to get away. You know, the only problem with trying to run from something that's going on in the inside of us is that we carry it with us and that there's really no way to leave it by running. More on that in a minute. There is a place where everyone who follows Jesus as Lord is longing to be. And now the most obvious answer, of course, it's heaven, but I'm not speaking of heaven specifically. I'm leaning more towards a place within our own spirit and within our own mind. In fact, this thing that I'm referring to, you can't even enjoy heaven if you don't have it. And it's not that it makes heaven heaven. It's just that without it, there would never be any peace there. You see, it's like this. If you go on vacation or you move to a new town, but you're still struggling with something inside of your spirit, well, you've not gotten away from anything, have you? You've simply carried around some old baggage with you as you traveled. If you are running from your past or or you have hurt that has been unresolved or fear or regret that you can't get over you'll never get away from anything by running that trouble will continue to follow you you must before doing anything you absolutely have to do this you have to settle the disturbance within yourself and your mind and your heart and in your soul and with those that are around you otherwise you will become so busy trying to escape that you no longer have time to get it right and this is where a problem becomes something far worse than a problem. And now you may ask the question, Ryan, what in the world could be far worse than a problem? Well, I like the way that writer wrote it. The only thing worse than a problem is a problem that doesn't have any solutions. And that's where you'll find yourself if you try to run from a pressing matter without having a way to defuse it. Okay, now I think I'm starting to catch on, Ryan. You said there was a place that everybody wants to go, and it's not specifically heaven, but it makes heaven more peaceful and enjoyable. Forgiveness. You're talking about forgiveness, right? Everybody wants to go to forgiveness. Not exactly. No, in fact, I'm trying to make a point that we have a problem with sin. It has separated us from God. We've got a problem with our flesh because it's in a continual battle against our spirit, and it prevents us from fully serving God. If we don't have a way to overcome this completely and finally, it will always stand in between our intimacy with the Lord. So let me try to be a little bit more clear here. The thing that I'm referring to allows us to be with the Lord with nothing standing in between us and the Lord. So I'm talking about a place that is free from distraction, both internal and external frustrations. A place that will allow us to worship Jesus as King without even the minute hindrance standing in the way. A place of absolute joy where love is felt at its fullest and in its purest purest form. Where fear has no existence, death and doubt have both been removed and regret is not really a thing. There is a place, I'm confident, that is being prepared for all of those who trust and follow in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Where they will enjoy being known by God and enjoy being heirs of His kingdom. This place carries with it the full privilege of embracing all that he is. And it is all made possible through this thing that I'm referring to. This thing called glorification. The beautiful part of glorification is that Romans chapter 8, 30, it says this. It says that those who he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. There is the word glorified. Now, at the first part of the verse, it has the word predestined in there, which is An irritating word to some because they get upset because perhaps there's a fear that says if God has predestined those to receive it, then what if I'm not one of the ones? But rather than get upset with the way that it's written, why don't we look just a couple of chapters earlier in chapter 5, verse 2, where it says this, we gain access by faith into grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory, there's the word glory of God is that all who have received faith to follow Jesus as the Lord and their Savior, they have gained access and now can look forward to the day of glorification that is soon to come. And now, if we have the faith to follow Jesus as Lord, we know that we are one of the ones who are predestined to receive it. And here it tells us in Romans 8 verse 18, that no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it is, it's still not even worthy of comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. So think about the worst thing that you could possibly go through. And for some listeners, there is, without a doubt, much worse than others. Yet, even at the bottom of the barrel, at the loss of everything that you could imagine, is still not comparable to the glory that you will receive when you stand with the Lord. So this glorification that is promised to come, it's been described as absolute physical perfection, absolute mental perfection, and absolute spiritual perfection. You know, the sun. It has one kind of splendor, and the moon has another, and the stars even another. And some stars, they differ from other stars in their splendor. So will it be at the day of the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, yet it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, yet it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, yet it is raised a spiritual body. You can trust that if there is a natural body, then there is certainly a spiritual body as well. Because we know the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself. And all of this is for the benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow for the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light, momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Fix our eyes on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, well, that's eternal. So to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be, Majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. So where does that come from? That comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 41 and 44. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14 through 18. And then it comes from Jude chapter 24, verse 25. I love the words that are in there. Raised in perishable, raised in glory, raised in power. Raised in a spiritual body. What is. Unseen. Is eternal. The hope that is coming for those who trust in Jesus is so great. That how can we get so decide. Beside ourselves. Thinking that God has somehow forgotten us. It seems impossible. So while it is. In the opinion of many, the glorification takes place the moment that you are redeemed by Christ. The truth, according to the text, is that glorification, it actually comes on us the moment that the Lord comes back. And it will last forever. So, look at this. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 53. It says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye... At the last trumpet, for the trump will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. There's that word, imperishable. You see, here's what we miss when we get saved by Jesus, when we trust in Christ, is that he promises us an eternal body that can never be harmed, it can never be weak, it can never die. There would be no way that Christ could raise up a body that was perishable and put it in his presence in the kingdom of heaven and it lasts forever. No, he must give us a body that is imperishable, a body that can never die. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, I like the way it says. It says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The thing that I like the best about this verse is that there has been a bit of a controversy as to what happens to a believer when they die. Do they go into an eternal rest and eternal sleep, or do they go be with Jesus? There is three theories. There's one that they go straight to a place called paradise, and in paradise they wait. But there is another theory that... They go into an eternal rest. They are asleep. And then there's the other theory that the moment that you die, you go into the kingdom with Jesus. Well, clearly, I think that the thief on the cross answered the question when Jesus told him. He says that you will be with who? Me. So they must go be with Jesus. But the key verse is right here. This one is the key. In First Thessalonians 4, verse 13 We believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So if Jesus is going to bring them back, they must therefore be with him. Because I could call you and I could ask you, Hey, listen, would you please come over this afternoon? We're having a cookout. A lot of people are coming by. And I would like for you to join us. Now, would you go ahead and grab that diamond off of the movie Titanic? You know, the one that the old lady threw into the ocean. Would you grab that diamond and bring it with you? Now, it would be impossible for you to grab the diamond and bring it with you if you didn't have it at your house. However, if you did have it at your house, I would A, be amazed, and then B, because it was there, you could actually bring it with you. Now, if Jesus is going to bring those who have died before us with him, then they have got to be what? Yeah, they've got to be with him. So all of this is leading up to the age-old question. What are we going to look like when we're changed? What type of body will we have? Will we recognize one another and likewise be recognized? Well, for certain, we know this, that Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, it says that by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And then in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2, it says this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So if we're going to be like Christ and we're going to have a body like Jesus' body, we go to the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 39. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So if we're going to be like Jesus, I would assume that that verse being after his resurrection, he had flesh and he had bones. If we're going to be like that, then we must also have flesh and bones. That is my theory. That is my thought on it. Now, concerning whether or not we're going to recognize one another in heaven, look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. It says, Now... I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am known fully. I would imagine that if we are going to know fully, and as we are known fully, then we must also know who we've known before. Does that make sense? In other words, how could I know fully if I can't remember somebody that I once know? Right now, we live in a sinful body. A tent is what it is, and it's got the complication of sin blocking our memory, causing us to forget things. Well, it seems clear to me that this glorified body will not have... A problem remembering things. So certainly it will recall those who have gone before us. When we meet them again, we will know who they are. And they will know who we are. And I would even go as far as to say if we are to know fully, we will know everyone. And everyone will know everyone as well. For all who feel that they can't seem to master this flesh. That they're tired of trying. That there's no way to defeat it. That there's no way to go on because they can't seem to get the flesh to do what the flesh is supposed to do. What well, the problem is, is that your flesh is overpowering the Spirit. And the only way to have the Spirit overpower the flesh is to ask Jesus to send the Helper who is the Holy Spirit. And just ask Him to take over for a while. Ask Him to help you get past this season that you can't seem to move beyond. And rather than being beat up and defeated inside and feeling like, well, everybody else has got this thing kicked and I can't do it. Remember, the glorified body is coming when Jesus, when we meet him in the air, that is when we receive the glorified body. And it is at that time that our body will submit to the spirit and the spirit will have control over the body. So it will no longer be trying to get the body to do what it wants to do. It will be an effortless task body will be weaker than the spirit. It's glorified. The spirit desires to worship Jesus and the body will follow as well. We draw a few more ideas on how we might operate with our glorified body according to the text and according to what we know about Jesus after his resurrection. One is this. He was able to disappear or vanish from a home of two of the disciples in the book of Luke chapter 24 verse 31. And then in the book of John twice. Once in chapter 20 verses 19 he appeared just suddenly appeared in the room with the disciples. And then in John chapter 20, verse 26, again, he appears, just appears, in a locked room in front of the disciples. I would assume that it's somewhat safe to say that our glorified body will not be subject to space and time and gravity, as the bodies that we have here now are. If we are to be like Christ, then that is how Christ was after his resurrection. But the most important thing to note here is that our bodies will be eternal. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, built not by human hands. The beauty of this passage here refers to the body that you live in as a tent, this body that we can't seem to figure out completely how it works. It refers to it as nothing more than a meaningless tent, And it says that, hey, even if this thing is destroyed, you have a building. So go downtown with your little tent and open it up and set it beside the building and look at the building and look at the tent and compare yourself and your glorified body versus where you are now. And the best part, my favorite part, is it's a building that has not been built by human hands. Because how many times have I been to the doctor to receive treatment or help? For something that I have gone through. Or how many surgeries have people gone through? Countless and countless and endless surgeries that never seem to cease. And then at the end, we think, was it all worth it? It was. Because we are going to be in a building not built by human hands. Because there is no need for the human hands to mess with the building. Because it is eternal. It is flawless. In closing, I leave with this last part. This word, glorified. We get it from two places, one Hebrew and one Greek. In the Hebrew translation of it, it literally means to be heavy. Glorified means to be heavy. Lending itself to that one, laden down with riches, power, and position. It can also refer to moral beauty. As far as the Greek goes, it means to manifest an honorable opinion. So both translations can often suggest... Brightness and brilliance of a supernatural light. If we put all of these meanings together, it is safely to assume that our glorified bodies will be supernaturally enhanced and empowered to serve God in an appointed position by radiating the brightness of grace to the angels and the universe. And now to think that this is only the glorified body that we've looked at. We haven't even considered the Savior or the city. Hey, God is good. Keep following him, keep trusting him. Hey, I love you. Be blessed.